Hi everybody, it's Bowen here, and this is part of a series of conversations that I'm putting out on my Substack, which is called Decide Nothing. Today I'm talking with my friend Noah Rainey. Noah and I met through our mutual love for kite surfing, and also as fellow event organizers, lovers of adventure, and through a shared connection with Summit Series and the Battery here in San Francisco. Noah is co-founder of Adventure Architects, which produces adventure events for companies, teams, conferences, and community groups. And he now lives on the incredible Salt Spring Island up between Victoria and Vancouver, BC with his partner and their two children. Noah is a unique individual, someone that I've learned a lot from, a man that I love and respect, and that I continue to want to get to know more deeply all of which is why I've invited him to be with us here today. Old man, look at my life, 24 and there's so much more. Live alone in a paradise. Noah, that makes my brother, welcome and thank you for being here. Thanks, Bowen. Yeah, great to be here. Excited to step onto the podcast. Fantastic. Great to see you. You were just telling me about your business and your history with Summit Series. You know, we also share some history there. I was an advisor at Summit One way back whenever that was. My primary business is Adventure Architects, and that's been running since about 2016. I did start that business on my own and kind of struggled for about two years the formation of the business was actually driven by having a baby and starting a family. I was working with Summit Series based in Utah at their resort, Powder Mountain, just really having a great time in my mid-twenties and, you know, fell in love and promptly made a baby without really meaning to or even knowing what that would do or change about my life. Mm-hmm. What does adventure mean to you? I would say first and foremost is stepping out into the unknown and it just kind of goes from there, doesn't it, really? One thing that I like to say is that adventure means different things to everyone. Depending on where an individual might sit on the adventure spectrum, they might like it a certain way, more extreme or extreme. Mm-hmm. Certainly when we're dealing with groups of people, there's the classic anecdote about going at the pace of the slowest person. Mm-hmm. If the objective is for everyone to feel comfortable and participate. It's so very true. I've had that experience myself as a leader and a guide and a designer of experiences and presents a real challenge often to design an experience for a group where people have different capabilities and inclinations. I would define adventure the same way. In fact, that is moving intentionally into the unknown. And Mm -hmm. that means different things for different people. It's so cool that you've turned that into a career and a business. Love it. Yeah, so at Adventure Architects, we design high-impact experiences for teams, conferences, and community groups. These are available in person or virtually and are mostly focused in the U.S., but I'm located in Canada now, and we do events abroad as well. Mm -hmm. You can think of us like a team-building concierge. And so we plan anything from small group adventures to multi-day company retreats. Great, great. What What's the coolest adventure that you've planned recently? Yeah, so the coolest adventure, I think, was a search and rescue scenario in the Tahoe backcountry for a group of software professionals. The brief was to push them until they were really challenged. And we were supported by their executive coach, who was taking notes. And when all was said and done, once these people had gotten back to the lodge and had, you know, some dry socks and a (laughs) glass of wine, the coach pretty much laid it down on them and said, hey, you know, Jimmy, I noticed that out there you were doing this thing, which... I mean, we've talked about that before, right? It's also true in the office. And so, Mm, mm, interesting. you know, that scenario actually taught me a lot about how you show up the way that you train. And so if you will put a team into a fictional scenario or even a fun game slash challenge, what you're going to see are similar patterns emerging that also are true in the workplace. And so in that moment, we learned that it's easier for teams to receive feedback about a hypothetical scenario, something that is, you know, quote unquote, Mm. for fun, Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but that is also very translatable to mm. some of the things that they might deal with in the office day to day. You know that they're more invested in emotionally because it's their professional mm. reputation mm. and how they want to be perceived at work. Mm. Yeah, interesting point. Actually, I think it can be hard sometimes for people to understand the value of a constructed experience. I mean, first yeah. of all, there's a huge amount of value just in getting people outside and getting them moving in the outdoors. And I always used to do that as part of my own conferences. But as you just pointed out, getting people out of their primary work situation into a different context that helps them to be more free, I suppose. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes people might ask the question, what's the point of this challenge? You yeah. Know? And so in that scenario, we actually surprised them. The group leader, who was our client, said, can you come and knock on the door at 9 a.m.? We're going to be kicking off the team retreat. And I want you to knock on the door and surprise these people. Mm. We're going to take them out into the backcountry. And so uh, Karina, my business partner at Adventure Architects, and I knocked on their door at 9 a.m. We both kind of blurted at them. Hey, you got to help us. Our friend was cross-country skiing and they haven't shown up and we think they've been buried by an avalanche. Can you come and help us to find them? Wow, I love it. And it was dumping snow all around, so it was kind of a realistic moment, you know. It yeah. was a plausible scenario. And the person said, call 911 and slam the door <laughs> in our face. <laughs> yeah, we're busy. We're trying yeah. to get some work done here, man. Yeah. Wow, really? Um, and so I wrote to our contact and said, hey, your colleague just shut the door in our face. You know, she's the boss. And she said, figure it out, find another way into the house. And so for both of us, I would say for my team and for their team, mm. that was at the beginning of an adventure that they didn't sign up for. You yeah. know, we're now trying to break into this mansion in Tahoe. They're being invited out on a search and rescue mission that they didn't sign up for. And so that, I think, actually was an interesting moment. Intentionally moving into the unknown. The intention part is an interesting thing that I want to pick at a little bit, because I'm sure you have also found yourself on some adventures where you didn't intentionally go that route. Mm. But here you are, and now you've got to deal with it, you know? There's a distinction between something that happens by accident and that you find yourself in a situation that you have to recover from versus something that you did intentionally move towards that has elements of the unknown in it. How do you create an adventure? It seems like an oxymoron, right? But that is what you're doing. And that's what I've done also in guiding and designing trips Mm -hmm. and experiences. Shifting gears here now, is there an example of someone that you look to, a man that you respect, that you admire for his presence and for how he shows up in the world? A positive role model, really. You know, there's a couple of different versions. You know, genuinely, Bowen, I look up to you in many ways. Uh, And when I think about what my life would have been like if I didn't have kids at that time, you know, I think about Uncle Bowen and his Mercedes mattress van driving around on the Vagabond, you know, expeditions, grinding fresh coffee and flying various different, you know, sails and tools basically i love it thank you and i think that's a great way to be you know i admire your philosophy i admire your commitment to the craft the work that you've put into your writing is really impressive and it's great to see that kind of dedication from someone that is pretty accessible within my life you know Mm. so yeah i kind of give you as an example sometimes Mm. of what it looks like if you really commit to that i admire your commitment to the adventure lifestyle and your passions that feed into that. There's another man, actually my neighbor, Mm -hmm. who in many ways has helped to shape our experience up here in BC. His name is Brad Morris. He runs a company called Magic Kids, Mm -hmm. which is what he calls Fair Trade Children's Storybook Company. Mm -hmm. So cool. So he writes these inspirational stories for kids with his son and they perform them and make audiobooks and actual printed kids' storybooks for reading. Anyhow, Brad's a freaking legend awesome. and has really shaped my time here in Canada because where we live on Salt Spring Island, I think there's about 10,000 people here in the summertime and it drops to fewer in the wintertime. And so coming from somewhere like San Francisco, it feels like a real small town, you know? There's like two grocery stores 
you can only drive for half an hour max in one direction and then you need to turn around again. Right. And so it's an adjustment for sure. There's a housing shortage here and so it can be hard to find a home. Long story short, Brad and his wife invited us to rent the house next door to them. We have kids the same age. Mm, Seems like our families were quite compatible. So they picked us from a list of applicants to move in and make a family pod. And so our boys play together. We got kind of five slash six-year-old boys. Mm, And, you know, hey, man, when I think back to my childhood and some of the experiences that I'm grateful for, one of the things, honestly, is as simple as just being able to walk out my house, walk down the street, knock on doors until I find someone to play with. Yeah. And that is not something that is safe or accessible for most families who live in the city these days. Yeah, I feel you. And so we have that here on Salt Spring Island that I'm grateful. And Brad and his family do a great job. They do things a little different to us. They are homeschooling their kids Mm -hmm. and are really committed to the homestead lifestyle, which is popular here. Mostly what I look up to about Brad is his commitment to joy and fun. Mm. As a father running a business, Mm. sometimes it can feel hectic you know overwhelming and i have struggled in the past to find the joy and like access the levity yeah moment to moment brad i mean he's a freaking unicorn that's what he breathes that's why he's writing inspirational children's books you know that's just his vibe so yeah i admire brad for the way that he handles all of that thank you for that noah it's just so sweet to hear I have this fascination from afar with Salt Spring Island, and that began before you moved there. I mean, in general, just because of the geography, but then as I began to become aware of other people, other writers, actually, that I know of that live there. And then to hear that you found your way there and then was invited in, right? I mean, it's really one of the most powerful things that we can do for each other in the world, I feel, is the invitation. Right, the invitation. It sounds like your neighbor Brad there invited you and Nisha in and really helped to make you feel at home there. And in fact, as you just said, formed a family together, you know, for your kids. It's really beautiful. And also to hear how this guy embodies joy. It's something that I've come to think about a bit more just recently. This question of what we embody, which is another way of saying what we are essentially, or a combination of what we do and what we are, right? What comes through our bodies? What do we express in being? And those things that we do embody also serve as examples to others, right? That's what we transmit. It's so clear from what you're saying that that's part of what he's transmitting, this joy and fun, and that's so valuable to you. Totally. That's a good reference, actually, that I want to share. I was listening to a podcast this week, the A16Z podcast, Mark Andreessen, the host, you know, who is a prolific venture capitalist and kind of systems thinker. Yep. He likes to separate out values and from virtues with the distinction being that values are ideas that we have and are important to us. And then virtues are how we do things mm-hmm. and actually what we do in life mm-hmm. and that was pretty meaningful to me because i thought that virtuous was kind of the catch-all but yeah of course turns out mm. the stuff that you believe isn't necessarily what you do in practice absolutely i think it was esther perel that said a lot of us get turned on at night by the things that we would protest during the day, (laughs) which is kind of another version of, you know, your virtues aren't necessarily what you believe, it's what you actually practice. This way of thinking of virtues is more what you embody in the world, what you transmit. So I have another thing to share with you. From my neighbor Brad, one of the ways that he's created community for himself on this small island here he has a men's group which is different to other men's groups you know i think it's great that men's groups are Mm. trending and i think men's groups have a big role to play in helping men to have community and connect with their feelings and oftentimes that looks like talking i've tried a variety of them and i value talk-based men's groups however Brad's men's group is not a talk-based men's group. We occasionally will have like a 
deep and meaningful conversation, aka kind of hard shares around a fire. Mm -hmm. But actually, his men's group, which is called Man Ventures, mm. is an adventure-themed men's group. And we show up and we do fun stuff together. Mm. Pretty much the only rule is that you can't do the same activity twice. At the end of the session on a Tuesday night, we get together and we say, okay, guys, what do we want to do next week? And it has to be a different activity. Wow. Sometimes it's night hikes. Sometimes it's a creativity workshop where we do like storytelling, improv, mm. you know, stand up, that kind of thing. Yeah. Sometimes it's jam nights. Sometimes it's poker nights. Here on Salt Spring, we're more like 420 friendly and less into alcohol. So we actually don't have alcohol within that container, so to speak. Yeah, It's been interesting and kind of informative to have more of a play-based, adventure-based container. Yeah. yeah, Even totally. though that's not typical, and actually it's probably not what I would have chosen mm -hmm. from a men's group, mm. but because that's their kind of underlying culture, I guess I notice over time that I feel sometimes a little bit resistant to the play side of things. Mm. Sometimes we do like sword fighting and battling, you know, awesome. somehow these guys, they've been going for so Love long. It. Right. How do you keep doing like, something new? Yeah. Yeah. So they've actually built as a crew, I want to say like 20 plus foam swords, you know, just imagine <laughs> a piece of PVC pipe with like a pool noodle over it sure. and some tape and, <laughs> and we all bring a trash can lid and, you know, get a sword and we just beat each other with these swords in various different formats, kind of like battle royale format, totally. we've got elimination format, we do one-on-one, -on -one, we do teams, uh, capture the flag type thing. That's so great to hear, you know, I love that. I agree that it's good that men's groups are trending, and they are trending, and that is a great thing. And it's also true that most of them are primarily talk-based. So, huh. hey, on the group thing, back to adventure means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. You and I, Bowen, I think we naturally lean into the more physical and psychological via adrenaline type of adventure. Mm. And to, to draw on your thoughts about the invitation, I remember when you invited me to kiteboard under the Golden Gate Bridge for the first time. Um, and that was pretty scary for me. You know, that was definitely pushing the limits of my comfort zone. But that's a flavor that I'm familiar with. And so that was a type two fun moment. But then the type of adventure, honestly, that has been more challenging for me that I'm kind of working to lean into at the moment is the kind of creative improv type expression, you know. So mm. I guess one good example is like, people beatboxing slash freestyling you know in a group wow. to me that's pretty terrifying because i just did not grow up in like the school that i went to did not kind of push creativity they were more focused on academics which meant that fast forward i'm a 34 year old man and it feels scary to me to like make any kind of improvised sound and contribute to a bigger group mm. song you know uh, kind of like a jam session mm -hmm. and so that's just something that i have been noticing and i think is a good example of adventure that's a type of adventure that is scary for me you know that might be more accessible to someone who is say like a musician or mm. more kind of traditionally creative yeah man i so appreciate you bringing that in it very much fits our definition of adventure, moving into the unknown. You also touched on there's a key relationship between fear and adventure, right? Most people associate adventure with fear. And there's a reason, because most fear is fear of the unknown. And if adventure is intentionally moving into the unknown, it is therefore also intentionally moving towards fear. And that is how, of course, we expand our horizons mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say conquer fear, you know, but to explore the territory of fear and move through it. In fact, fear to me is often a message and a beacon in a way that signals uh, a place that we should be going towards. You're expressing some of that and I totally dig it, man. I mean, the creative adventure... And also, it sounds like the group setting for you of creating music, beatboxing, doing this with other people, and expressing yourself in a new way is a real adventure. I love it. Yeah, totally. One of the ways I know you, Noah, is as someone who became a father relatively young in life. 
and who's now a father of two boys. So you're well into it. I mean, your older boy is what, six or so? Is yeah, it? he's about to turn six. That's right. Okay. So I've got some sort of a finger on the yeah, pulse. Yeah, going on there. Good, good. So, man, I mean, I've never even really heard the story, how you became a father. And I'm also interested very much these days in how we consider the question of becoming fathers. Did you think mm -hmm. about this beforehand? What were your thoughts earlier in life about fatherhood? And how does that relate to where you are now? Definitely something I have thought about over time. And, you know, for me personally, I think I was lucky in some ways. It was definitely a mixed blessing to conceive kind of right out the gates in the relationship. It has actually created some challenging foundations that we are just kind of starting to unpack now in couples therapy about not having a, an opportunity for Anisha and I, my partner, to create a kind of foundational relationship, you know, get aligned on our values, make a plan, even if it's just an organic kind of emerging life together. It just didn't happen. We met. 30 days later, she was pregnant. I felt scared and kind of chickened out to some extent and said, you know, basically what I thought you should say, which is, um, let's talk about it. You know, the question of to have a baby or not have a baby. Mm. Let's talk about it. Ultimately, in the end, I said, I'll support you, whatever you decide. Mm. My boss at the time said something really meaningful to me. He said, how are you feeling about this, you know, having a baby? And I said, yeah, I think good. A lot of people were asking me, how are you doing with yeah. this new thing, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, you know, I had this kind of response, something along the lines of, well, Nisha's amazing, we're in love. I have the feeling that I'm going to be happier and healthier and, you know, maybe even wealthier over time. It seemed like my intuition said that it was a good idea because I had faith in Nisha, even though mm. it was all happening way quick and on the surface, didn't want to have babies in that moment, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So my boss at the time said, well, I'm glad that you are feeling positive about it and just know that if you are not, whatever you're feeling is going to come out eventually. I just want you to give yourself a chance to experience the different emotions that you might have because, you know, it's all coming basically down the line. I think what he was telling me in some ways, which is one of the biggest learnings from having children, is that any parent, basically, they're going to get schooled on surrender. Kids just have a way of challenging the parents and stripping away unnecessary stuff, basically, stuff that possibly you thought was important but now mm -hmm. you know with much less bandwidth with less time with more responsibility etc the stuff which is not totally central just falls away yeah and so to share with you as someone with no kids when people pass the parent thresholds they probably ghost a lot of people yeah. you know yeah. they probably just pretty much drop off the map they stop socializing late night and for the most part need to socialize with other parents at the play park or whatever that might be mm -hmm. Because that's the compatible lifestyle that they have. Yeah. And so, yeah, for anyone out there who's maybe feeling like they've lost a friend because mm. the friends had babies and now they feel like they're maybe not so important to them, mm. it's not about you. It's just actually about the babies now. My brother, for example, he does not have kids yet. I had to kind of tell him one time, mm. hey, by the way, when you tell me that you're totally slammed and you're too busy to catch up on the phone... I kind of roll my eyes because it's like... <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and I get it. I thought I was busy before I had kids. Right. You know, you just don't know what you don't know. But it turns out when you do have those kids and the surrender starts happening, the stripping away of all this other stuff starts happening. Yeah. When bachelors tell you that they're too busy to like return your text message it's kind of a joke yeah yeah <laughs> or at least a joke amongst parents time is different when you're a parent yes yes i feel you i'm often aware that i have time to sort of dot my i's and cross my t's with all the little things that i do in running my life and once in a while i wonder why you know someone 
hasn't replied to my email yet or something like that. And then I remember, well, he's a young father. He's got two kids, you know, no worries. Mm. (laughs) No worries. I love what you said about getting schooled on surrender and about how things get stripped away. I'm experiencing that myself in my own way right now in my own life, in my creative adventure. So what else, what's been stripped away for you? Well, not to get too like deep about this kind of thing, but prior to having kids, I was quite into Instagram. I like to show my abs on the gram. I was very preoccupied with all things image and kind of ego. Hmm. And look, I was 25 years old. Mm. Maybe that's natural, Mm. but... Um, I was having fun and feeling kind of celebrated via, you know, that dopamine Hmm. rush or the pursuit for kind of recognition from, you know, anonymous people all over the world. Yeah. And when I had kids, honestly, I struggled. I, so I went dark on Instagram and I still really haven't picked it back up and you know the truth is i just don't have abs anymore to show on instagram (laughs) and when i moved to san francisco i was i became like a chubby dad living in the city you know a tiny apartment in the mission it just like wasn't the brand that i had on instagram which was like mountain man with a husky sleeping in igloos and you know taking people (laughs) on snowshoe hikes and stuff like that yeah i struggled to translate from like what i was before to what I was now and yeah that was that kind of parent threshold that I passed through and Mm. it stripped away a lot of the kind of ego Mm -hmm. you know image like look at me all of that stuff which Mm -hmm. it just doesn't really exist for me anymore you know hey it was hard to be honest I've had a tough five to six years uh, getting initiated as a parent and only really have turned a corner in the last couple of months, Bowen. Mm. And that is possibly why I said yes to doing the podcast. Because in the past, I've honestly felt like kind of a wet blanket, you know, mm. like a grouchy curmudgeon complaining about my circumstances. Mm-hmm. Long story short, time plus support from other men, coaches, groups, etc. has really made a difference to me. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Trevor Spring, who I'm working with at the moment. Mm. Uh, he's a he's a men's coach and kind of movement coach that kind of rolls with the Sacred Sons mm-hmm. crew. I came to know you yeah. just after you and your partner had your first son. I've seen some of your experience from the outside, and I know it's been rough for you in a lot of ways. You mentioned, of course, that you and Nisha got pregnant almost immediately after meeting, and that prior to that, wouldn't have said that you wanted to become a father at that particular moment, at least. Between the shock of becoming a parent so quickly in a new relationship, and then the journey of that relationship, you've really been through the fire here in the last several years. So how do you feel now about fatherhood and about the question of, is it something that you choose It's a real dilemma for a lot of men. It certainly has been for me in my life. I think it's a good question. And there's a couple things to share. You know, obviously, in our society, we don't have a rite of passage for boys to become men. In some ways, that is what Sacred Sons are trying to do with their youth program now, Mm -hmm. is to give young men an opportunity to experience ritual and connect with other young men who are going through similar things and do the work in a private setting with male role models Mm -hmm. away from the hustle bustle of regular everyday life Mm -hmm. yeah and so that's true for me honestly i didn't really have a threshold moment where i felt like i became a man about 24 25 you know i was enjoying my life as a young man but it's possible that i still kind of identified as a boy Mm. and Mm. then you know to be honest for me having my first child that really was at the threshold moment for me suddenly i had tons of responsibility i was a dad you can better believe i felt like i was at least carrying the responsibility of a man and so from that moment on yeah i could kind of identify more as a man 
it can be confusing mm. for people whether they're a boy or a man certainly we want to have aspects of us that are young and playful but then we also want to keep growing and whatnot so like i think there's a place there's a need for rite of passage for young men yep and so yeah there was a long initiation for me and to be honest i resisted the heck out of it and i really struggled and it has been a tough kind of existential transition for me and Look, man, I was just doing my best, you know, but it it wasn't easy. And what I'm getting to here is that I've recently turned a corner. About a year ago, I had another child. And in having another child, I got to experience the journey that is parenting and raising a baby over again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with the same woman, with my first child present, Mm-hmm. There are a lot of parallels that could be drawn between the two experiences. And so in hindsight, I recognize that the first time was really hard, mm-hmm. a lot of transition. I personally struggled day to day for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now, the experience that I have is very different and it's much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. That's the great news. It's much more enjoyable. You know, Nisha and I are at a different time in our lives adventure architects is much more established i have a paycheck now which Mm -hmm. i did not have before yeah and you know we have all the baby stuff our lives have already yeah been kind of focused around parenting we no longer have really a social life you know yeah and so the transition was much less and i noticed that i'm more able to be present more able to enjoy the chaos that is hanging out with the baby Mm. and also trying to run a business and Mm. show up in a relationship and then at the end of the day still trying to find time for yourself with your practices or my hobbies or whatever that might be the squeaky wheel gets the oil you know and babies are some squeaky all the time yeah (laughs) so they they get lots of attention but you know like the personal practice the meditation the hobbies and stuff like that that tends to kind of take the back seat because, um, you know, there may or may not be someone advocating for your or for my, you know, personal needs. So that is possibly a mistake that I made the first time around. Mm-hmm. I just, I did not do a good job to take care of myself. And one thing that Trevor Spring has really been helping me with our work together is taking back time for myself, being more selfish, but like in a, a healthy, transparent yeah way in our family Mm -hmm. the way that he basically puts it hey if you that's me are resentful towards your family is because you're not doing enough stuff for yourself so tell them that you need more time for yourself and do it and you know make sure you take care of them as well but that's like definitely been something that we've been working on Mm. and it's made a huge difference for me i'm enjoying it much more this time around which has been great what a relief there was one other facet there specifically about the decision to have kids mm-hmm. hey i have some friends like you who um you know it just didn't happen yet for them but they also like their lifestyle and they're like i don't know how these two things can really come together without the sacrifice of the personal interests and lifestyle for me personally i did not have the opportunity to struggle with that decision because it just happened accidentally and so in some ways i think that's lucky for me because hey i totally empathize in hindsight i'm not sure if i would have opted in for this in fact my brother's like i don't know if i want kids after watching your journey yeah yeah and uh, so yeah i in some ways i feel grateful because um yeah i didn't have to struggle with that and i do recognize that that can be tough for men especially i appreciate you speaking to your experience First, dude, I just want to tell you that I'm so happy to see you happy and enjoying the experience more and enjoying your life more because Mm -hmm. I have sensed very clearly from you just how difficult this chapter of life has been for you. It's been a real challenge and I've done whatever I've been able to do from afar to empathize and transmit support to you. And so I'm happy to see you turning the page on that first chapter and moving into a second chapter of your life as a father. The lack of initiation was an experience that so many of us share or, you know, share the lack of. 
this kind of man-boy, right? What Jung referred to as the puer. It's kind of a technical psychological term, but that's where a lot of us were at that age. And it's kind of impossible for a boy to become a father, even though it's biologically possible. But of necessity, you become a man. You are initiated forcibly by that experience. It sounds like the second time around with your second son that you were able to bring your capacity as an adult person, as a man, to that with much more presence and capacity. It's great to hear. Yeah, thanks, man. You know, it's funny you said yet a couple times, kind of referring to my experience or to others who might be struggling with the decision about whether to become a parent or who, like myself, have decided not to. I would just say that for me, it's not about not yet at this point. It's about having chosen a different path. I've cited this statistic a number of times, but it comes up again to share it here, which is the fact that at least in America, only 62% of men become fathers. Actually, the same number is true for women. Basically, about only 62% of American adults become parents. It's about two-thirds, you know. And so there are quite a lot of people that don't for one reason or another, whether it's by choice or otherwise. Obviously, both are very valid paths. I just want to emphasize that. And then I heard you there lastly saying, hey, you know, in a way you're blessed with not having to choose. And so you didn't have to struggle with that decision. You know, you struggled otherwise. You struggled afterwards. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing some more of that story. I see you now in quite a different place than when we met. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I would say that at this time I've settled into my role as a father such that I'm able to enjoy it, which is a huge relief. Yeah, it's great to great to see and hear. I'll just give you one more question, and then I'd love to hear about this new project that you mentioned before we wrap up. You mentioned that there's not a lot of alcohol around in your world up there. Is that just true in general for you? I mean, what's been your experience with alcohol in particular? Yeah, um, so my dad was an alcoholic. He's a recovered alcoholic now and is sober for a long time alcoholism and the destruction that that causes is a distant memory except that my partner's father passed away a couple years ago from essentially late stage alcoholism Mm. he literally just drank himself to death Mm. lost his mind Mm. as a result of like liver failure i want to say sorry and so yeah that was a tough time for the family and just kind of a reminder really of like what it looks like when someone just doesn't quit you know yeah anyhow um so that that's kind of one factor i do drink alcohol i do like red wine i don't like beer it just doesn't really agree with my body i am grateful to not have to drink alcohol to socialize you know i'm from the uk originally and one thing that i struggled with in the uk was just like beer as a necessity you know to connect with other people co-workers friends it's just like hey it's you know work's done it's beer o'clock now everyone drink beer you know yeah i've never been more drunk more often than when i'm in the uk (laughs) i would say (laughs) i think that we can probably say that brits as a whole have not learned to process emotion and alcohol there is a crutch to connect and also disconnect you know connect with others while also disconnecting from self i enjoy the taste of alcohol i see you drinking your non-alcoholic beers from time to time and i think that's interesting too i I could be down with that the other piece for me is just that here on salt spring island we are like a very liberal community and I've just noticed that alcohol is less popular mm-hmm. and other substances are more popular. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, we, I have kind of benefited from that. And I have to say, I just don't miss alcohol. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd say the same it, it myself, just on, on that last point. Great to hear that you've got a conscious relationship with it. Right. And that's true for anything I'd say. So as to be able to make a choice about 
what one does as opposed to not choosing to do it unintentionally. It has been a good fit for me to not drink so much alcohol, but I have a different relationship with cannabis. You know, we have legal cannabis up here in BC. We're able to grow our own cannabis, and that is a popular pastime here. So I've been dabbling in that. And to be honest, I have been consuming slash using more cannabis than probably any other time in my life, partially because it's around, it's growing in my garden, and my friends are doing it, but I'm conscious that it's more than ever, you know, I'm pretty much a smoker. My kids Mm. don't know or care about the difference between cannabis and tobacco. To them, I'm still, you know, blowing, you know, inhaling and Mm, exhaling smoke. Mm. And so, yeah, that's something which is kind of on my mind and Mm. maybe coming up for a bit of a shift. Mm. I've definitely been using cannabis to self-medicate through challenging emotions. And I recognize the downsides of that and the addiction, basically. You know, I recognize the addiction. Psychological addiction, yeah. Yeah, that is present, you Mm. know, in Mm self-medication, basically. And yeah, fingers crossed, man. I literally am just turning this corner like in the last month, let's say. Mm. And so I'm hoping, and honestly, I haven't really kind of committed or thought too hard about this, but hey, maybe next time we talk here, I will have reduced my cannabis consumption because I'm overall just having a better time in life. I'm wanting to make Mm -hmm. space for other things. Yeah. So yeah, that's very much something that I'm thinking about at the moment. Mm, mm, appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for sharing on that. Yeah. I think that's, well, certainly been my experience too. And in fact, really what led me to make such a major change with my own relationship with alcohol going on five years ago was that it just didn't fit in my life anymore. I needed that time and energy for other things. I was ready to be done with it. And yeah, cannabis, I don't smoke it, but I do like to eat cannabis now and then. And I like the effects that way. So to each his own, you know, just before we wrap up, I'd love to hear whatever you care to share about this new project. It sounds like you're excited about something new. And uh, yeah, tell me. Hey, partially inspired by you, Bowen, I have started a Facebook group that has (laughs) been, you know, it's an interest driven community for wing foilers you know we have this new hobby wing foiling and there's a whole new ecosystem emerging of wing foil stuff i started a group called wing foil travel oh cool we are focused on wing foil travel around the world you know obviously wing foil compared to kiteboarding or kite foil opens up a lot of new locations there's a lot of exploring to do totally and there's a lot of excitement about this new sport which in many ways is just more accessible than its predecessor skateboarding it's been more of a passion project for me and that has made a huge difference yeah and it keeps me up at night man you know as opposed to a previous phase in life when the kids go to bed i feel totally zonked and all i can do is kind of lay on the sofa and scroll facebook or whatever you know Mm. now i have this energy driven by my passion for this growing community and even though i live in a kind of a pretty remote location it turns out you know the internet is a great tool for connecting and i have been proud as a community builder to actually really sink my teeth into building a community And it's just really flowing very naturally such that it kind of just pushed me out the way and has legs of its own now. Great, man. That's so cool to hear. I love it. I have been a lifelong community builder, you know, in many, many ways. Of course, my own business for many years was a professional community and a conference series, but I've also created many online communities and uh, I'm doing that once again now around my writing. I'll definitely check it out. And, uh, Yeah, look forward to doing some wing foil travel myself again at some point here. No doubt. (laughs) Well, we should talk more about that. Hey, I have one more thread to share with you if you have another minute here. Yeah, yeah, of course. One of the things that I experienced through life was a pursuit for my hobby, you know? I've tried lots of different adventure sports out there. I'm sure you have too. And, you know, they're fun but they weren't enough to really draw me in a fanatical way. Mm. In the San Francisco Bay Area, I learned to kiteboard. You took me out under the Golden Gate Bridge, which is 
arguably like the most epic location for that kind of thing in that region. And fair to say, I was and still am hooked on basically adventure sailing. And that has translated into other sailing type, you know, pursuits and in other vessels, mm-hmm. you know, kiteboarding's turned into kite foiling. You were kind of my kite foil sensei in many ways, and kite foiling has emerged into wing foiling. Yep. And I shared about parenting stripping away the other things. You know, I guess I wanted to share that it was also a relief when I found my hobby. And I think one thing possibly that men might struggle with these days is not having that fanatical hobby. We've got access to whatever we want, basically, whatever lifestyle we want. We can try different things all the time, especially in a city like San Francisco or New York or whatever. What I observe is that men sometimes struggle with a sense of fulfillment, possibly because they haven't really gone deep or they haven't really Mm -hmm. found the thing that Mm -hmm. they're really loving. Mm -hmm. Now, I got rid of all of my gear, other gear, you know, rock climbing gear, mountain biking gear, skiing gear, snowboarding gear, all the stuff, basically, Mm -hmm. so that I could buy my kiteboarding equipment. But more than anything, I just didn't have much interest in those other things anymore. And I know that you love to paraglide, you love to foil, and so you have two of those, and you probably don't have much space in your life for anything else. And that, I think, can be like a very fulfilling thing for men. You know, maybe they've got kids, maybe they don't have kids. Mm-hmm. But if somebody is still feels like they're searching, yeah. I think that search can be a worthwhile thing if it means you find your primary passion you know what i mean like i have that hobby now you know sailing basically um and it kind of takes the pressure off to try new things yeah i know that i don't really need to and i don't really want to spend my valuable free time doing other people's things even if it's kind that they've invited me to like i'm flattered but that's just not really how i need to feed myself it's become clear to me and it's made a profound difference in my life when i found that fanatical hobby and i wish that for other people who haven't been there yet yeah yeah i feel you man thank you It, it strikes me that's another expression of this stripping away that you brought up earlier for me, outdoor pursuits, it's not just a part of my life. It's part of who I am and has been all my life. At times, I've had different things that I'm kind of most passionate about and also at times been passionate about multiple different outdoor sports. And I also have very consciously stripped away different things at different times, both to consciously close chapters of my life as opposed to having them close me, so to speak, or close themselves, but also to, yeah, focus more on the things that I want to focus on, whether those are activities or, you know, really what my primary passion and pursuit is at this point, which is writing. So for example, I stopped flying paragliders last year and consciously closed that chapter. Even though I love flying, and love and really admire the sport of paragliding and what can be done there. It's just absolutely incredible. I I didn't have time for it, or I chose to take that time Mm -hmm. and put it somewhere else. I wrote a piece called The Last Time about consciously closing chapters with things. That's been a powerful paradigm for me. Was that hard to close it? Actually, no, it wasn't really. You know, I found myself just becoming more and more aware that as much as I loved to fly, that I was also often conflicted about it. I was very aware of the amount of time that it that it took to do properly. But even more than the time, I was aware of the amount of like psychic energy that it took because it's so committing and so requiring that to go and have a proper day of flying at a kind of a high level it's not just that day, it's that day and that night. And it's also the two days beforehand. And then a few days afterwards, kind of like recovering from it in a way, you know, absorbing it, integrating the experience. And so I kind of got to the point with that sport where if I was going to pursue it further, it would have become like a full-time thing, which of course some people do, but that's not what I 
wanted most to do with my life. And so what I determined was the best thing for me was actually just to stop doing it entirely. And that frees up time, first of all, for writing, but also for for adventure sailing. I love how you put that. You know, really when people ask me what I do when I'm kiting or winging or whatever, I just say that I'm sailing, first of all. And also for simpler things, for trail running and yoga, just basic stuff mm-hmm. that keeps me healthy, you know. Um, yeah. No, it's been so great to connect with you, man. A really great conversation. I have been appreciating so much the opportunity that I've had by way of these conversations to get to know men that I have known, but to get to know them better. And I'm really, really feeling that here with you today. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. Well, thanks for having me, Bowen. It was fun to participate and connect with you and dig into some of the stuff which often goes unspoken yeah yeah i really appreciate the conversation with you noah it's been great to know you these years and to spend time together in different ways and i'm so glad we got the opportunity to go deeper today thanks man looking forward to the next time yeah all right see you soon buddy cheers Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do share it with a friend and make sure that you are subscribed at decidenothing.substack.com where all of my writing and audio lives. Most of all, if this brought something up for you, if you felt something, if you had a reaction, if you have some thoughts or suggestions about topics that you'd like me to see explore in the future, please do leave a comment right there on the Substack site. Of course, you can also reach me by email or on social media. Thanks again for being here, and I hope you tune in again soon.